Hello, everyone. Welcome to the latest edition of Airing It Out, Files from Leahy's Locker Room. I'm John Leahy. Hope you're having a great week. And uh, we have been uh, talking a lot of hockey over the last uh, few weeks. I want to thank my guest last week, former Quebec Nordique, uh, Paul Stewart. And I also want to apologize. We had some audio uh, problems uh, with last week's episode. So uh, I'm going to try and reach out to Paul and see if we can... uh, re-record that if possible but uh, i want to thank you for your patience and uh, uh every once in a while we we hit a little bump in the road and uh, last week was certainly one of those but uh, thank you for tuning in nonetheless we are gonna we are going to shift gears here we're going to go from hockey to baseball over the next couple of weeks and it is my great pleasure to bring in a gentleman this week who i worked with for three summers uh, back, uh, it seemed a while ago, uh, back in the Frontier League. Uh, this gentleman is still employed in the Frontier League with the Schomburg Boomers. Real good friend of mine and uh, one of the most popular broadcasters I think that's ever been in minor league baseball. My good buddy, Tim Calderwood. Tim, it's great to have you with us. Thanks for spending some time tonight. Who's uh, who's counting popularity there, John? <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. Any Anytime you talk to anybody... Uh, I'm sure they'll uh, they'll vouch for your uh, popularity. I mean, you got the the popcorn nickname going, and uh, really, you've uh, you've been a success everywhere you've been. Well, thanks. I appreciate it. I don't know. You're making me feel a little old now, though, talking about how long ago it was when we worked together. <laughs> uh, you know, you know, I didn't mention the year. I, I'm going to let the listeners kind of okay uh, <laughs> uh, speculate, you know, on their own. But uh, Tim, you and I go back uh, a long way. We had those three summers together. I was in Kalamazoo for two summers and then Florence for one. And uh, I met you uh, when you were doing games for the Traverse city beach bums, one of the most gorgeous towns in all of minor league baseball up there in Northern Michigan. But uh, Tim, you've gone from Travis Traverse city to uh, now Schaumburg, which is uh, closer to home for you. Uh, you're a decorated broadcaster. You've won broadcast through the year in that league. You've won a few championships. So uh, why don't you, why don't we start by uh, you filling us in on, on your background? Sure. Um, I mean, I'm from Chicago, born and raised. Uh, so from there, I think uh, when I was young, I uh, saw my first curveball in Little League. And uh, when I ducked out of the way and the umpire called a strike, it was at that point that I realized my future was not on the field. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, from that point on, I kind of uh, knew that, you know, broadcasting was what I wanted to do. And um my next door neighbor who passed away when I was in college used to talk a lot about how I would be out in the front yard, uh, broadcasting my own version of the world series. So (laughs) I guess you could say that's where it started, but, uh, yeah, yeah, I've kind of been, uh, I mean, I'm, like I said, I'm from Chicago. So I, I I guess the goal was always to kind of get back here. Um, but, uh, I was in Traverse city, Michigan for three years. I was spent a season in Lake Erie also in the frontier league. Uh, then I came back home to Gary, Indiana, which is only about an hour from where I live. And that's they were in the American Association, so I was a little closer to home. And then uh, Schaumburg opened up with the owner of Gary actually purchasing the Schaumburg franchise. And he asked me where I wanted to end up. And I was like, well, Schaumburg's a lot closer to home. It's a league I know, and it's got a lot less travel. So sounds good to me. <laughs> and the rest, as they say, is history. So um Last year was supposed to be my ninth season with the Boomers. I've been the only broadcaster in team history. Uh, but obviously the pandemic canceled that. So we're hoping that uh, year 10, season nine comes around this spring and all is well. Yeah, absolutely. And I know being from Chicago, Tim, uh, I know you're a huge Cubs fan. I, I know you've, yeah, when Harry Carey was around, uh, you had a lot of time listening to him. How much of an influence uh, was he on your decision to be a broadcaster? You know, one of the things that uh, I learned, I guess, at a young age, a very young age as a broadcaster, was that you can have just as much fun watching or listening to the game as you can playing it. And Harry was a big reason for that. And I think one of the reasons why is because he never took himself too seriously. Um, I I think that was kind of a big, I don't know if influence is the right word, because I was still kind of too young. I mean, Harry died when I was in high school. But yeah. At that point, I got an idea and I knew in my head that, you know, one of the great things about broadcasting baseball is you can be you. Um, There's so much time to kind of shape the game as it's happening. 
mean, if you're talking about, you know, hockey or basketball, um, football has a little bit more space, but definitely hockey and basketball, for example, it's such a high paced sport that there's not really an opportunity to kind of allow your personality to come out. And right. that's, I think the biggest thing that I like about baseball is the chance to, to provide some context. You know, it's very conversational and you can sit back and, I mean, one of my favorite things when I'm at the ballpark as a person is just being able to sit back and soak in the atmosphere and, you know, have a, have a cold beverage or two, sit and talk with friends. And so that's kind of the, the, I guess, idea that I've always taken into my broadcast is that you want to just be relaxed. You want to sit back and be relaxed. You don't want to force things. And I definitely think that, you know, interjecting your personality, like I said, is something that I learned at a young age. And one of the reasons why I got drawn into broadcasting so early in my life. Yeah, absolutely. And you really have a chance to uh, let your personality shine through. And uh, I know for me, you know, music's been a big part of my life. So I've always uh, thought about ways that I can incorporate that into the broadcast. But uh, I know for you also, uh, you know, you've also had opportunities to kind of, you know, inject uh, what you love about your personality into the broadcast. And that's really what makes it fun, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, And I think, you know, I I always look at it as this kind of unique, like you get to share a part of yourself with your listeners, uh, which I, which I don't think you really get a chance to do in other sports, which we were mentioning earlier as well. And that's, I think what makes baseball special, especially since, you know, it's such a long season, right? I mean, in the frontier league, we got 96 games, most minor league affiliates, full season are 140 major league baseball is 162 so you really kind of have a chance to let your regular listeners get a chance to get to know you. And in a lot of ways, you get to know your listeners as well. I've developed some great relationships with listeners over the years and people that I still talk to regularly, people who have kind of followed me around a little bit from my time in Traverse City to now and still stay in touch. And um, I just think that's one of the really unique things about broadcasting baseball is the opportunity to kind of, you know, uh, share yourself with others and hopefully that you're putting yourself out there enough and not taking yourself too seriously that you can have some fun too. And hopefully people can feel that fun coming through the broadcast. Well, we'll get into some stories, you know, some frontier league stories a little bit later on in the podcast, but uh, I wanted to just talk with you, Tim, about the state of baseball today, Uh, minor league baseball, going through some big changes, uh, some retraction, certainly uh, I felt that here in Lowell, it doesn't look like the Lowell spinners are, are coming back. And uh, so I find myself out of baseball, you know, uh, with the pandemic happening last year, it was my first summer not doing games since 2005. And certainly the the future is uh, certainly up in the air. But uh, in terms of minor league baseball and the retraction, you know, it's not all bad because the Frontier League looks like it's kind of expanding now and some exciting uh, times for your league and and the uh, places you'll be seeing. Well, the crazy thing is that the Frontier League was kind of at a, I guess, a big turning point, right, at the end of the 2019 season. Um, There was another team that was leaving. The River City Rascals were going to go the ranks of summer college baseball. And it was kind of, where does the Frontier League go from here? And then, of course, that offseason, the conversation happened. The league got together with the Can-Am League and basically expanded and created a new Frontier League out east that's been only added to now um, this past offseason. They had the addition of the Ottawa Titans, who are joining the Frontier League, and then most recently one of the teams that was contracted came in as well from Tri-City. So kind of the the eastward expansion of the Frontier League has been uh, something kind of unique to see, something I don't know if any of us really anticipated happening, at least in that way. I mean, I think – You've always had kind of those teams on the East, the Washington Wild thing specifically, who have kind of been out on an island by themselves a little bit. So having some teams out that way is going to definitely spread out the league. I think you're going to see a lot more uh, rivalries developing with some closer teams now because you're going to see them more. Um, And I think it's going to be better for the league overall. So we'll see what happens. I mean, it's certainly unique in the Frontier League perspective, but John, I certainly feel for you uh, and – fans of teams who aren't going to have baseball this summer at all. Um, A lot of those teams that were retracted ended up going other directions. Um, Some into independent baseball, like I mentioned with Tri-City coming 
over to the Frontier League. Some went the summer college route. Some Major League Baseball created special leagues for that are basically summer college. Uh, the Appy League is one of those that I'm talking about. So it's it's sad because there are organizations that have had baseball for a very long time that are no longer in the habit. And I certainly hope that, you know, at least in the case of Lowell, that in the not too distant future, something pops up there, which it sounds like every intent is maybe hopefully just to kind of take a one year hiatus and see what happens from there. But um, look, I don't want to say that it was bad for baseball, but I don't want to say that it was good for baseball either. If that makes sense. Like I want to, I kind of want to see what's going to happen. I think, I think the intentions behind it are good, but we'll have to wait and see uh, long-term how it plays out. Absolutely. Now, do you have a sense of how that's going to work out for you and the travel? I mean, I know there's a team in Quebec now, uh, which, you know, I, I've been up there lots of times in the Can-Am League. I worked in the Can-Am League for several years as well. But do you have a sense of how it's going to play out for travel in terms of, you know, obviously bus trips and now maybe uh, airline uh, flights? Well, I know going into 2020, Schaumburg was supposed to take a trip to Quebec and Trois-Rivières. Uh, which were the two Canadian teams. And now obviously we've added Ottawa um, and we were going to fly out there uh, with Windy City, who was basically going to be our travel partner. And so we would play Quebec while Windy City was playing Trois-Rivières and then we'd flip it. Um, so you could kind of get some group rates on airfare that way. Now that was again before the pandemic. It is my understanding and a schedule hasn't been released yet by the league. Um, I think <laughs> You know, I've seen a lot of independent leagues come out with schedules already. And I mean, the reality is we just don't know where we're going to be with this pandemic in a couple of months yet. <laughs> so I don't right. I, I don't think that rushing through and coming up with a schedule and having a hard start date is necessarily the best thing in the world right now. Because, I mean, independent and minor league baseball thrives on what they thrive on having fans in the ballpark. So what's the point? Right. What's the point of scheduling and having something if it's not going to come to fruition? Um, it is my expectation that this year will be a much different schedule than what we have seen in the past with the expansion of the league. I, I'm almost expecting the Frontier League to operate as kind of an East and West straight up with uh, yeah. the East Division playing all their games against each other and the West Division playing all their games against each other as well. And I think the West is going to be, you know, kind of the more normal Frontier League teams. And the East will be those new teams that have come in and probably Washington thrown into that mix as well. Um, and I think, you know, long-term moving forward, there's probably going to be crossover play every year. I just don't know that uh, we're going to be ready for that this summer based off of where things are with the pandemic. And you know, I'm hoping obviously that we get a schedule here pretty quickly because I want something to look forward to. But I think everybody understands that the most important thing is having a plan forward that makes sense, right? You want to make sure that everybody can be safe, that everybody can follow their local regulations. And I mean, obviously when you're talking about Canada being involved, you've got to have the border, which is a whole different animal as well. So I think that uh, taking the slow route is the best way to go right now, just because you don't really know how things are going to change too much. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll talk about the pandemic in a minute, but I can tell you that Tri-City uh, is a place that I've been in the uh, New York Penn League. Uh, actually, the Tri-City Valley Cats were in the Spinners Division. And I can tell you, it's a beautiful ballpark. And I can tell you, if you love to eat, Tim, <laughs> there are a lot of places. We, we stayed by the uh, airport in Albany. There's a hotel right across the street from there. And if you walk uh, right down to the first stoplight and take a ride, you have miles and miles of food and malls and bookstores and as broadcasters we really appreciate that stuff on the road well john you know the answer to that question do i like to eat come on <laughs> <laughs> i never like to assume anything i'm gonna i'm gonna hit you up the first time i go to tri-city which like i said i don't know if it's gonna be this summer um i don't know if it's gonna set up where you know you only have two teams that you visit in the east division every yep. year to limit travel but whenever that trip to tri-city comes whether it be you know, summer of 21 or summer of 25, I will hit you up for some recommendations. That's, well, I might, I may come over and watch the game because Albany, New York is only a couple of hours from where I live. So that's uh that's not a bad ride, but uh, yeah, no, you'll, you'll really enjoy that ballpark. And you know, Quebec city as well. They are uh, baseball crazy up there. You know, you think of Quebec as being a hockey town, but that ballpark up in Quebec, 
is almost like a religious experience. I've done many games up there, Tim, and I know you're going to enjoy it if you wind up getting over I'll never forget. uh, So when I was in the American Association with Gary, we've made a travel to Winnipeg, who is in the American Association. And the Winnipeg ownership group is involved with the Ottawa franchise in the Frontier League. But I remember going up there and just – it was so exciting to be in a different country for baseball. And it was – you're right. I mean, it's crazy to see – Winnipeg, obviously, they were drawing full houses all the time at that point. And it was a lot of fun to be around. I mean, just kind of a different culture. One of the things you're talking about being in different cities and having different food. That was the first time ever that I uh, had the opportunity to sample, you know, the the cheese dribbled on top of the French fries, which is the, yeah, the, poutine. the poutine. I couldn't think poutine. of the name. Yeah. yeah. The best thing ever. <laughs> and uh and I got to try all the uh, the frothy Canadian beverages up there as well. I was like, I went to the bar the first night, and I was just like, look, I'm from America. I want to try Canadian beer. Line them up for me. Let's go. And so the person would come up with one and say, well, here's the story behind this one. And I'm like, all right, I drink it. That's good. Okay, bring on the next one. Okay. And so on and so forth, about five, six beers in deep. Uh, and one of the other things I actually remember, you were talking about hockey, John. Uh, Jonathan Taves is from Winnipeg. And I, rem- I remember uh, being up there. In uh, 2011, and trying to go on a Jonathan Taves hunt because he actually was in town at that point in time, <laughs> which was uh, crazy. and as a big Blackhawks fan, I was like, "Come on, I gotta find him! I gotta find him!" <laughs> oh, that's great stuff! And you know, also let me know when you're going to Ottawa because my brother lives up there, so I could uh, I could plan a two for one trip. So that, that that's going to be great uh, to visit that city. You're going to well. be my color commentator, all right? <laughs> oh, you're going to motivate me See? now. Uh, I'd, I'd love to be on the air myself, you know, doing my own thing, but with the uncertainty of it, who knows? But I wanted to talk uh, to you a little bit about this pandemic and how difficult 2020 was, you know, of course, of course not just in the minor, minor leagues, but in the major leagues. You know, from my own personal perspective, I broadcast uh, game three of the New York Penn League Championship Series in 2019. The spinners were eight outs away from winning a championship. And that didn't happen. And, you know, you walk out of the ballpark and you're like, all right, let's get them next year. Well, there was no next year because this whole year got wiped out. And now with all the contraction and everything, I don't know if I'm ever going to do another game again. So, you know, from my point of view, 2020 was was the worst year in my life sports-wise. But talk about it from your perspective and how disappointed you were when this all went down. Well, uh, I think the biggest thing to remember is that um, it can always be worse, right? At this point, um, we're pretty much right on a full year now since COVID-19 first visited the United States and over 400,000 people have lost their lives as a result. So I think that's the that's the big thing. It, it kind of put sports in perspective a little bit. Um, and I mean that in a good way because obviously at the start of the pandemic, I'll never forget the date, March 11th, um, I was actually working a lacrosse game at Benedictine University, which is a Division three school out here that I work at in the offseason. And that was the night that uh, the Utah Jazz had their positive tests that shut down the NBA. And it was at that point in time yep. when all the conference tournaments were happening. And so they were slowly but surely shutting down the conference tournaments. You just had this feeling that something big was about to happen. And I'll never forget when I yep. saw that flash on Twitter that uh, the NBA – had a positive test and that they were likely going to shut everything down. I said, this changes everything. And absolutely, it sure did. Um, and, and it was kind of, you know, it, in the snap of a finger that quickly it changed everything. But like I said, I think it kind of put into perspective a little bit um, where sports are in the grand scheme of things. But at the same time, I think the biggest thing people were wanting at that point in time was some kind of normalcy that sports could bring, which was, difficult to happen. I remember, I mean, in, in the pandemic, early stages, one of the biggest things I was doing was I was watching people play sports video games on Twitch. I was like, wow, this, this is how much I miss sports right now. I'm watching people play video games on the internet. <laughs> but uh, I mean, you know, it's a, it's a year and a time where I think you have optimism always in front of you and hoping but at the same time, there's always that uncertainty and that unknown. And you can prepare for as many different things that you think can happen as possible. I know more than once last season, there was still talk about 
having a frontier league season and things just keep changing right in front of you. And it's, it's really crazy to think about how much things change, but like I said, it, it kind of puts things into perspective a little bit as well. Cause as much as we all love sports, there are things out there that are way more important than sports. And I think we've had a chance to see that over the last year. And honestly, part of the, the difficult thing has been trying to put sports back into perspective and trying to do things safely, especially at the smaller levels, right? Like you look at, I work in division three schools and, a lot of division three colleges are having some difficulty getting teams on the floor and playing basketball right now um, just because of the virus and everybody has their own budget challenges to deal with. And it's been, uh, <laughs> I mean, to say that 2020 slash the first part of 2021 is a year you're never going to forget would be uh, an understatement. I'll think back to the fall. Uh, there was a day when I was in my office at Benedictine and I was talking to one of our basketball coaches and, she she literally said, she's like, we are living in history every single day right now, which is crazy to think about that there's going to be a chapter in a history book sometime down the line talking about what we're all going through right now. That also kind of puts it in perspective a little bit. Absolutely. And uh, did you find that there was uh, any kind of a silver lining with it uh, as far as, you know, hey, you know, I, I came across you know, something that um, I, I didn't realize I had. Like, you know, uh, for me, I had a chance to catch up on other things that maybe I'd put off in the past. Uh, did you find any kind of a silver lining for yourself, either professionally or personally, that came out of that uh, situation last summer? Well, I'm not going to lie, John. It's not been uh, an easy year. Um, it's hard when you have everything taken away from you, so to speak, and you're – yeah. literally in a position where you can't leave your house. <laughs> um, right. So it's been a very challenging year. And uh, I know that I'm not the only one as a lot of people have struggled across the country handling mental health and the things that have gone with everything that's occurring every single day. But I will say that um, my wife came up with something early in the pandemic that she heard from one of her staff meetings that they call Corona blessings. So it's trying yeah. to find the little positives in all the negatives that are happening around us. And I would say that, you know, the one positive in my case has been the ability to spend more time with my family. Yes. I'm at home. Right. And yes. I'm not broadcasting, which is what I love to do. But at the same time, I don't ever get to see my family every day and put them to bed every night. And it got to the point where we've started basketball again here at my college. And my kids are actually disappointed now when I'm leaving, instead of just being used to having their dad not here because he's always working, they got used to having me around. So that was definitely a silver lining that came out of it or a Corona blessing, as I would say. And, and I think one of the biggest things that I was able to do, and I'm sitting here in front of piles and piles of baseball cards, John, I had a chance to finally grab those bad boys out of storage and try and get some kind of organization, which is still not even close to being done as I look at boxes in front of me. But <laughs> that was kind of fun at least to, to reminisce <laughs> a little bit about some of the younger days. And I guess in my head, you know, talking about when times were simpler um, and going through and opening and finding old baseball cards. I'll just give you an example. I'm going to pull one out in front of me right now. This is uh, a, Bobby, a Bobby Thigpen. You remember that name? White Sox. Yeah, this is yes. Bobby Thigpen's 19. 87 tops card that I just pulled out in front of me. So you, you pull these out from time to time and you find these names and you're just like, wow, it connects with a memory and takes you back some time. And so there, there were some, some positives to come out of it, but yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been a challenge. And like I said, I know I'm not the only one. Absolutely. And, you know, touching on the, the family life, that's the most important priority of all, but uh you know, you, uh, you've had a chance to broadcast some championships over there in Schaumburg, and I wonder if you could just touch on uh, the feeling of winning a championship as a broadcaster. I've come close twice. Actually, I've been to uh, three uh, championship series in my career, did not win any of them, but uh, you've had the chance to uh, get to the culmination of being a, a championship broadcaster, and uh, can you walk us through the feeling of, of what that's like? Well, I have three championship rings in my possession from my three Frontier League playoff appearances, if that tells you how successful wow. we've been in Schaumburg. <laughs> um, 
it's a young franchise. Obviously, they started in 2012. So in eight seasons, they've won three, and it's been a couple of years since they won one. So they had three in the span of six years, which was really incredible. Uh, as far as from a broadcast perspective, I mean, I always – at the end of every season – you know, I go around and talk to the players when the year's over. And the biggest thing I say is thank you for taking me on this ride. And that's the biggest thing I can say, you know, every game is its own journey. And it just so happened that those three years, 2013, 2014, and 2017, the journey took me all the way to the championship. Um, Obviously it's something that, you know, as, as a, young child and a young broadcaster, you always dream about being able to come up with that championship call and live in the moment of being part of that. But I always take it back to the players too. Like the most important thing is being able to document the moment for them because while we're a part of the journey, we're not the reason for the journey. So I would say that, um, I mean, those are definitely from a broadcast perspective, the highlights of my broadcast career, there's no doubt. But I also am very cognizant of the fact that the only reason we were in that position was because of the players on the field. So I think you have to, I think you have to take a few right. minutes to appreciate the talent that's been there. And it's one of those things where 2017 actually is over the last couple of years, the one that's kind of come back to me a little bit where I just appreciate all the players who were part of that team and, the incredible talent that was there and you go back and you talk about it. And I always dreamed, you know, being a broadcaster for a team, right? You think of Harry Carey, how long is with the Cubs and the White Sox and the Cardinals? I mean, he spent his life in it. And so you can go back as a broadcaster and be the person who talks with authority about those championship seasons, because even in our front office now, John, it's myself, our groundskeeper and our manager. We're the only three who have been with the franchise from the very beginning. So it's one thing right. to see it and say, hey, you know, the team won the championship. It's another thing to be able to to go back and share that. And when you're in like a playoff race now, you can compare it to the playoff race from 2017 and you can speak with authority because you were part of it. So there's memories that are going to pop out more vividly than they would if you were just talking about something that you weren't part of. So I think that's the biggest thing is just being able to be a part of the journey and and remember and take in those pieces of the journey that can then be relayed later on down the line. We're talking with Tim Calderwood. He's the radio voice of the Schomburg Boomers of the Frontier League. And uh, Tim, I got to ask you, did you record any of those championship calls? I have all three of them. Nice. Nice. That, that, that's something that, uh, you know, you can, you can hang on to for the rest of your life. You know, one of the things that I told myself and I had a lot of players asking me, um, as we were getting close to clinching the playoffs and whatnot, like, do you have something planned? And I hear still even today, you know, major league broadcasters, do they have something planned for when their team clinches or when they win the world series? And the biggest thing that I said is I want to make sure that I'm living in the moment, but you also want to make sure that you have the right words to capture the moment. So I think, I think in my head, I'm always, I was always thinking of what to say, but until it actually comes out, you don't know how it's going to sound either. And that's probably the most challenging part about it is coming up with the right words to say. So I think uh, like a home run, for example, for me, I don't have a scripted home run call because no home run is the same. So I don't want to treat every home run the same. So I think in my case, you know, it was just making sure that it was experiencing what happened. In 2017, I think I ended it with, the best team in franchise history has put an exclamation point on their legacy. Something like that was how I ended the 2017 call. Um, and yeah, I, I have all three of those games. Um, the intensity in the broadcast was awesome, but the hard part with, you know, minor league and independent playoffs is in a lot of cases, there's not a lot of people in the stands. So while you might be in your best broadcast, it's not like, the major leagues where there's 55,000 screaming fans. (laughs) You're talking about a couple hundred people and you got to pop the crowd mic way up, especially in the case of, you know, in 2013 and in 2017, we won the championship on the road. So there's not exactly a whole lot of people screaming when the last out comes. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, I've, 
uh, I've followed your career and I know how important those championships were. And I was thrilled that, you know, you had a chance to be a part of that, but let's, let's turn back uh, the clock here and let's talk about uh, some frontier league memories. Uh, as I mentioned at the top of the show here, uh, we were together for three summers in uh, you in Traverse city and uh, myself in Kalamazoo. And then uh, subsequently Florence, you also went to Lake Erie and uh, I, I, Remember, the first story that comes to my mind was the night we were together in Kalamazoo and there was a deluge of rain with uh, thunder and lightning. It it rained in Kalamazoo unlike almost any other place uh, in the Frontier League. But I remember one night we were there in the press box at Homer Stryker uh, Field and uh, my comrades actually uh, blew up in uh, in that rainstorm with the thunder and lightning. I don't know if you recall that, but... Uh, my Comrex was fried uh, as it was, uh, I had it plugged in and then a big pop of thunder and lightning came and, and that was the end of the Comrex. I do remember that. Uh, and like you say, there are some uh, incredible stories from Kalamazoo, just to piggy off, piggyback off that quick. Uh, my very first professional broadcast was in Kalamazoo in 2007 with Traverse City. Yeah. And I'll never forget, I had this big, long pregame interview planned. And there's always a story, right? I could not get it to play. And it was supposed to be my entire pregame show. And I was like, oh, great. This is the way my professional career is going to start right here in Kalamazoo. So the next day, we turn around and the game is at 1030 in the morning. And there was a power outage because a squirrel or something had eaten through the city power lines. So there's no there's no power to the stadium. So now I can't broadcast because... You know, that was right around the time when cell phones were starting to get big. So I'm like, this is just crazy. So it's a great way to start out my broadcast career there. But yeah, I remember that day specifically. And I, uh, I I will just share this advice with everyone. If there's an electrical storm and you do not have to be on the broadcast, make sure your equipment is off and unplugged for that reason, John. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Even if you have a grounded uh... – a grounded power strip, uh, that particular storm, uh, it wouldn't have mattered. So, um, but uh, I also remember a time uh, you were there. You had the biggest pen <laughs> I, I've ever seen. Uh, in the, I have a picture of you in that pen. This pen, I swear, was about six pounds. I don't know how you wrote with it. <laughs> I actually don't use the big pen anymore. <laughs> that must have been a uh, that must have been a thing just for you, John. <laughs> I don't even know why. You know, I, I, uh, I've gotten very color-coordinated, which is kind of funny because um, I'm not really a, I guess, organized person except when it comes to baseball. <laughs> and uh, so I had all these colored pens, and I thought, well, when I actually res- write the result in with the black pen, but I wanted to make sure that it's a pen that I'm not going to lose or forget somewhere. So it was literally as big <laughs> as you can imagine. Probably – I mean, I would say it's as big as a computer, right? Like if you have a laptop computer, it's probably that long. Um, so, yeah, it was uh, huge. And I know you you commented on it every single time I broke it out, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, as a broadcaster, you notice things, you know. And uh, But I wanted to actually bring up a couple of uh, personalities that uh, we have in common there in the Frontier League. One of them is a guy that I st- still stay in touch with. Uh, he is the PA voice of the Gateway Grizzlies and the St. Louis Blues, Tom Calhoun. And I've been fortunate enough to uh, stay in touch with Tom over the years. But, uh, boy, he's one of the great ones. And uh, the Gateway, what a great uh, – Tom and I give each other grief every year. Um, he obviously works for the Blues. I'm a big Blackhawks fan. Uh, we, we were down there when the Hawks were close to winning the Cup a couple times. And he's like, ah, oh, my time is coming. And now, of course – the table has turned and the blues have been really good and the Hawks have been struggling. So we just, we, we enjoy giving each other grief. Uh, you know, I, I talked recently um, about when you go on the road and just the people that you meet, and I'm not talking, you know, from a broadcast perspective, obviously, John, you know, that the broadcaster for the team you're playing, you guys develop a good rapport. Uh, you become friends with some more than others, but you obviously have the professional relationship with everybody, but, the biggest thing is a lot of the people that you can meet behind the scenes. And Tom Calhoun is one of those guys in gateway. Um, Scott Cummings was the official scorer in gateway. He actually passed away this year. Um, He was another one in gateway. Um, Steve Gomrick, who's the general manager in gateway. I mean, that's, 
such a gateway is the quintessential example of what you wanted to be in independent baseball. And one of the things that I like about being on the road is I can see things and take away things and bring them back to my own front office and say, Hey, you know what they did in gateway? They did this or uh, more specifically in my college position, I can take some of the things that I've seen too and apply those to the game day experience. And um, it's almost like when I go on the road that there's a lot of family reunions in places because I end up, even though there's a lot of people that I know who are no longer with their particular teams, you've gotten to know them so well that you visit them when you're on the road. And it's, like I said, kind of a, a family reunion in a lot of ways. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I love uh, about Gateway. You walk out uh, behind the press box on the concourse there and you've got a beautiful view of the St. Louis Arch, all lit up at night. And, uh, you know, I've been up there a couple of times uh, when I worked out there, and uh, St. Louis is such a special city. Well, you would really appreciate, then, that uh, the host hotel is on the river now. So you can literally uh, – you got to do a little bit of climbing to get up to a bridge, but there's a bridge that you can walk across the river and just take a stroll downtown to St. Louis, which is what I try to do at least once every trip that we go down there. Um, I've been to a few Cardinals games – with friends from the gateway front office. Uh, my good buddy, Joe Masterson, who was their production coordinator took me to one. We have, we still talk about the memories, John, you want to talk about a frontier league story? Let me tell you this one. So, so we're All playing right. um, a day game at gateway and gateway doesn't play a lot of day games. One of the reasons for that is because of how hot it gets in yep. St. Louis in the summer. So they figure it cools off at night. Yep. Uh, at the start of the season, I look on the schedule and see that we are playing a day game at gateway and the Cardinals are home at night. <laughs> so I would, I, I called my buddy Joe and I'm like, Joe, we have got to go to the Cardinals game tonight. So Joe works it out. We get tickets. He comes and picks me up at the hotel and we go to the game. We have like the pregame, I guess it's buffet tickets where it's all you can eat, all you can drink in center field from two hours before the game all the way up until the seventh inning. Well, this particular game, John, ends up in a rain delay. So uh, oh <laughs> they've shut down the food and the drinks. But with the rain, as you know, during a lot of games, people leave. So we go down, and we end up yeah. sitting right behind home plate. And game the game resumes, and we're down there. And Joe, or someone who was with us, thought that they saw someone they recognized coming up the tunnel. So they ran over and started screaming and the photographer yep. starts snapping these pictures. And we end up on the Cardinals official <laughs> Twitter and Instagram page <laughs> promoting that baseball is coming back from the rain delay. Cause it ended up going to another rain delay shortly after that. So that's one of the things we <laughs> always talk about is how we were famous and we were leaving. Cause we actually did leave at the second rain delay and Joe's phone's blowing up. Hey, you're on Twitter. You're on Twitter. And we're all like, what? <laughs> well, there, there's a Cubs fan wearing <laughs> Cardinal red. I refuse to wear a Cardinal shirt, but I did wear a red shirt on the <laughs> official Twitter page of the St. Louis Cardinals. Great stuff. And I wrote in my, in my first book, I wrote about uh, how hot it gets out there. And the hottest game I've ever done to this day was a day game. We were out there in August. We had a day game out there, and I think the game time temperature uh, was like 103. And in the booth, it, you know, it, it, it was it seemed like it was a lot hotter. And uh, yeah, that was a struggle to get through that when you wind up. Well, let me tell you now that Gateway has air conditioning in their press box, so I don't think you'd be melting anymore up there. <laughs> they actually enclosed it and put in some windows <laughs> up there for that reason. Um, you talk about hot games. I remember maybe 2015 we were at normal, um, and one of the things about temperatures is that in the frontier league, there's not a lot of grass fields anymore. A lot of the fields are turf so that they can be used for multiple things. And so that um, you can save a little maintenance on, you know, water usage and spare the front office from having to do tarp poles. Now we still have grass in Schaumburg, but the other thing about turf, yep. as you know, is it is about, 15 to 20 degrees hotter in the sun. Uh, I actually, during batting practice right. at normal and normal does not have air conditioned press boxes, nor did they have windows that could really open. Did you ever get a chance to go to normal? 
Yeah, I was there when I was with Florence. I was I the first year I think they Okay, I couldn't remember exactly what year they came in the league, but um they didn't have the sliding windows and they didn't have air conditioning and it was a hot box. <laughs> so I remember uh going down on the field before the game and one of my quirks that I always use, I, I have what I call a timometer, which is just a thermometer, but it's my thermometer, so I call it a timometer. And um <laughs> There's a sensor right. in it. So I just put the sensor down to get a reading, and it was like 120 degrees on the turf. Yeah, because I put it out during batting wow. practice just to see how hot it was for my own mind. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> we, we've all been there with the hot games, you know, and uh, that's one of the unique uh, things about doing baseball. But, Tim, I wanted to touch on another uh, gentleman, and, you know, this will – probably bring bring back some sad memories, but I wanted to touch on a gentleman by the name of Mike Radomski, who uh, was the voice of the Evansville Otters, and Mike uh, tragically lost his life in a uh, in an automobile accident. He was down in Florida, actually, at the time, and he's a guy that touched both our lives, and I know you could go on for, for hours talking about uh, what a gentleman Mike was, and boy, is he missed, and I think of him often, and uh, what 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 he did for us in our lives, you know, just enriched us so much. And uh, I wonder if you could just say a few words about Mike. You'll have to pardon my pause. <laughs> um, every time I talk about Mike, it's hard to not just get flooded and overwhelmed with memories. Um, and I'll say that uh, Mike was the, was the longest tenured, is still the longest tenured broadcaster in the history of the Evansville Otters. And uh, every time I go there, I can't help but picture Mike and get overwhelmed with memories. Um, there's a whiteboard that Mike used that they still have on the Evansville broadcaster side that still has his words, rock the planet written in his handwriting that they never erase. Um, wow. Mike was, it's funny. I, uh, I've talked more than once with a couple of other broadcasters who are friends with Mike and we all say that, you know, of everything we've been through over the last year, it would have been great to have Mike around because he saw the sunny side up of everything. So it would be crazy to, to hear him, come up with something positive about having a baseball season canceled, for example. Um, and so, I mean, that's the biggest thing that everybody remembers. And what's crazy is, I mean, I went to his funeral out in New Jersey and everybody had the same exact things to say about him. Um, and I still talk with his wife a couple of times a year. Um, and he's had a couple, he's had a scholarship that's been created in his honor at, uh, USF and um, at the University of Evansville, they made a spot on the scorers table for him. Um, it's just uh, like I said, it's it's hard to not get a rush of memories and get a little um, emotional when you talk about him. And I'll tell you that uh, the one way that I've helped his memory live on, I guess. Um, and I talked to Mike Ventola, who was the voice of the Southern Illinois Miners. He's now in Lehigh Valley. Um, I talked to him. I was like, Mike, do you think using his sign-off is doing him justice? And so uh, Mike said, Ventola said, I think he'd love it. And so I end every broadcast now. I always say, like my good friend Mike said, Rock the planet. Good night, my friends. That's how I end every single game. And that's, yeah, that's Mike's, Mike's philosophy, the rock the planet. The, the best way to say it is, uh, like I said, Mike was an optimist. And so what I always take from rock the planet is do your best that day. Mike, you could have taken it in a hundred different ways, you know, enjoy it. Like, just be you, that kind of thing. And it's something that Mike had. I understand the the homily at Mike's funeral was talking about Rock the Planet. So it was something that he lived. And 
like I said, I, I think of him in every baseball broadcast that way by ending my broadcasts. Um, I go through, I have, uh, we call it super Google at my house. It's, it's Google home where it's like a picture frame that flashes pictures and probably at least once a day, I get a picture that pops up with Mike and myself. And I think it's one of those things that, uh, I look at it and every time I see it come up, I say, God, I miss him. And, uh, I think that's Absolutely. what I mean. I mean, I think anybody who knows Mike and got to know Mike well has that, has that same thought. And I just hope that I'm doing my best to rock the planet like he would. Yeah, I'm sure he's looking looking down on things and smiling, uh, you know, especially with the way you honor his memory. But, uh, Tim, we're, we're kind of running up against the clock. I just wanted to touch on one last thing. Uh, you have a, a new uh, YouTube, I guess you'd call it a, a podcast, a Voices of the Frontier. Maybe you could uh, uh, tell us. Yeah, sorry, John. I wax poetic and talk a lot. <laughs> I haven't had very many broadcasts to talk about these days. So. No worries. <laughs> No, that, that's what we encourage here on the on the podcast. We we love love the stories, but uh, yeah, tell us about um, your newest venture. Here. It was basically so Terry Bonadonna, the voice of the Windy City Thunderbolts, wrote a book during the 2017 season. It's called "A Wonderful Waste of Time," um, and so I just thought it'd be a great idea to get a couple of Frontier League broadcasters together and read. We read the book beforehand, and then we just kind of took some of the stories that Terry talked about and pulled some things out and we share kind of our own unique stories and it's kind of taken off a little bit. I mean, we've only had a couple episodes. We did our first one before Christmas. We did our last one a couple weeks ago and we'll do another one here probably in the next week, but it's just kind of a nice uh, fun way to get together, talk some baseball, keep our minds um, at least thinking baseball, which in my case is something that I want to have happen as much as I can. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. We had uh, Mike Ventola, who I mentioned Myself, Terry Bonadonna, and on this last episode, we had Jason Garrett, who's the voice of the Southern Illinois Miners. And, you know, we're not just talking Frontier League baseball. We're talking baseball and sharing stories. Um, we had a good conversation about the Negro Leagues. We've had multiple conversations about, um, you know, the Hall of Fame and then uh, some Frontier League stories along that line as well. So it's been a lot of fun, and it's on my YouTube page. All right, so how can people how can people um, find that? I, I wish I could tell you my exact YouTube page. <laughs> I think it's I think it's just Tim Calderwood. If you search it on YouTube, right. it should pop up. Um, and I put the link out pretty regularly right. on social media as well when it does come out. Um, and we just we just do it over Zoom, and so I just put the video out, and I'm like, all right, well, we recorded it on yeah. video, so we might as well just use it on video. And I think, hopefully, anyway, it'll be something that we carry on during baseball season. And I guess that's a Corona blessing as well, right? The ability to, to see video and feel connected to people, even if you're far away. Absolutely. Well, you know, if you ever have, a, if you ever want to have an alumni edition of the frontier. Uh, Absolutely. We'll get there. Yeah, Mike Ventola is kind right? of an alum. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tim, uh, I really appreciate you spending some time with us. I know it's, snowing like crazy out in Chicago, just as it is here in Boston. And, uh, you know, spring's right around the corner. And I look forward to uh, tuning you in this summer. Uh, the Internet's a beautiful thing. I, I can I can tune in and listen to you. And I'm looking forward to doing that. And uh, I wish you peace. And thank you so much for being on. And, uh, again, uh, have a great spring and summer. Absolutely, and, uh, my friend. To Here's to baseball you in. in the spring, hopefully. And uh, most likely what we're dealing with right now isn't necessarily the snow, although there's a ton of it out there. It's the cold, man. We're only getting to a high of about 10 every day with overnight lows in the like negative 10 ish area plus the wind chill. So brrr, baseball can get here soon enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, and hey, they're the improving. I'll say that. Time, I guess, right? <laughs> Absolutely. You know, I'm rooting for another Chicago Boston final. Uh, the Blackhawks, of course, won the Stanley Cup right here in Boston uh, several years ago. So I'm I would not be that, disappointed. Uh, original six matchup. But that's a whole other story sometime that we could talk about with All right, Tim. when the Blackhawks won their first cup, we were actually in St. Louis and <laughs> I was out at a bar because we had a day game that day and ended up buying a round for everybody who was there that night and had to put up with me because nobody could have cared about the Blackhawks game and Stanley Cup finals against the Flyers at that point. <laughs>
Now, when the Blackhawks played the Bruins, I think we were together, weren't we? Were you you at Lake Erie during that uh, Chicago-Boston final? Because I remember we had uh, we talked about uh, the Blackhawks and the Bruins, and I'm tempted to say that we were together. Uh, Uh, What year was the Bruins? Wrong though. Yeah, I don't think I I think the first Stanley Cup was against the Flyers, which was 2010. So we wouldn't have been together at that point. But I know we were going back and forth about it when the Hawks and and Bruins played, as always. The friendly jabs, my friend. All right. Well, Tim, it's always great talking to you. Uh, Great to catch up. Uh, Best of luck this this summer. You got it, buddy. All the best. Thanks for spending some time with us. All right. You've been listening to Tim Calderwood, voice of the Schaumburg Boomers of the Independent League. Uh, of the uh, in the independent league, the uh, Frontier League. Next week, we'll continue on with amateur amateur baseball. We'll be talking to Dave McKay, who heads up the Yawkey League here in Boston. You've been listening to Airing It Out, Files from... Mitochondrial disease is a rare multi-symptom disease characterized by breakdowns in the mitochondria, which are specialized compartments that are present in every cell of the body except red blood cells and are responsible for creating more than 90% of the energy needed by the body to sustain life and support growth. A disease most commonly associated with children, currently there is no cure, just management of symptoms. Hugs for Mito Inc. is mitochondrial disease, rare disease advocacy, awareness, fundraising for research trials, and hopefully a cure. To learn more, please visit hugsformito.org.